0: Welcome to Women in the Arena podcast, the podcast celebrating women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. I'm your host, Audra Egan, and our mission is to elevate the value, strength, and resilience each woman brings to the world. Without further delay, let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me again this week. We are wrapping up our series this month on mental health awareness, self-care, and healing yourself from the inside out. This week, I am joined by a dietitian who says that there is a direct correlation between food and mental health. I cannot wait for you to meet her. So let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in everyone and thank you again for joining me this week. This week uh, we are wrapping up our series on mental health awareness, self-care, and making sure that you take care of yourself from the inside out. This week I'm joined by Camille Martin and she is going to give us quite the education. She is a registered dietitian. She's a public health writer, and she is a former chronic dieter who is trying very hard to stop that cycle with other women. It is my pleasure and my honor to introduce to you Camille Martin. Camille, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to the show.
1: Audra, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here because um self-care is near and dear to my heart, and I've spent The better part of 25 years trying to figure out how to take care of myself. And um, as we'll get into later, I'm sure dieting was a huge part of um, just obliterating my self-esteem and the antithesis of self-care. So we can get into that too. But thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: I am so excited for you to be here because, you know, all all month we've been talking about self-care and how you talk to yourself and how you treat yourself. Well, the one thing that women do quite a lot is, myself included, is feel guilty about what they're eating, how they eat it, what they look like, and it never seems to be good enough. And that is negative self-talk, and that's also negative self-care. So I want to jump into that. Tell me about your journey and why you finally decided, you know what, I'm done with this this negative biofeedback that I'm giving myself. And women, other women shouldn't be doing this either. So tell no. us about that.
1: Sure. Well, to start, um, you know, for the, from the larger piece and narrowing it down to my life, it's inescapable that we're going to keep getting these messages from the media and from just our culture that in general um, makes women feel like that they are not really less than, but we get these implicit messages that we need to be quiet and be sweet and, you know, look perfect. And basically that what we are on the outside matters more than anything, more than what we are on the inside, which leads to me to a suppression of like your your dreams and your goals and, and everything that you really Thought that you wanted out of life growing up as a little girl. And all of that sort of gets squashed by these, you know, the bombardment of all of these messages. So um, for me, this started way, way, way early on. I was 12 years old when I first started dieting, um, which is very young. Although I have two uh, preteen daughters and they ask me now, am I fat? Mommy, am I ugly? Things like this. And it's just heartbreaking. So it starts early, and it started early for me. Um, but I just started dieting um, in the seventh grade, and I never stopped until I was almost 30
0: years old. Um, why, why at yeah. 12? What what propelled you to start dieting at 12? That's really young. It is to, young. To, to start thinking about body image in a way where you were dieting.
1: Yes. Well, um, you know, my No one around me was saying, "You need to go on a diet. I've never been more than fluctuated more than you know ten or fifteen pounds off of my standard weight. I just was always getting this message that what I looked like mattered more than anything, and that I made the connection that um, not just that looking thin was important but that eating um, there was shame associated with eating in general. For women, so when I say I started dieting when I was in the seventh grade, I guess what I mean to say is I started um, trying not to eat as much and getting this uh, definite message that I needed to eat less. And so I started eating less and less, which then cemented in me this. I just I had very low self esteem, and I was using food to fill that void, and then also getting the message that I shouldn't eat. So it started this cycle of pushing me into emotional eating, binge eating. So I would go off alone, lock my door and bring a bunch of food up in my room and just and binge eat. And um it made me feel better in the moment, but then after that I experienced tremendous shame. So then I would go and try to diet. I apologize, my I'm I'm working from home and my, dog, my dogs are they're usually sacked out on the couch and make zero noise. Um But anyway, I started binge eating and using food to make myself feel better. Um, And then when I came out of those binges feeling unattractive and unworthy, I stopped eating. And, you know, I don't don't think I actually went on on a diet until I was probably in high school, but I stopped eating and then binge ate. And that just led to a spiral, a downward spiral into binge eating. And then ultimately... Um, dieting. And when that didn't work, purging. So I, I had an eating disorder that took me years to to finally
0: get rid of. But, yeah. so, your, so your association with food was very much in line with your emotional state. Mm-hmm. So that it was this, I'm going to eat because it makes me feel better. I feel better for a very short temporary period of time. Then I mm-hmm. feel guilty. Mm-hmm. So then I'll stop eating and then I'll start making myself vomit i mean and it's mm-hmm. this constant horrible cycle and yes. the whole time you're giving yourself this this negative feedback of you're unworthy you mm-hmm. aren't lovable you aren't uh you aren't smart you aren't <sighs> totally. this you aren't that and all of that is is a lie however oh,
1: right right
0: culturally we have are constantly having these these signals that says you have to look this way mm-hmm. or you have to behave this way, mm-hmm. so you're you're caught in this cycle of this repeating this re- this repeating cycle of psychological psychological warfare on yourself.
1: Yes, definitely. And um, the saddest part to me is that dieting just reinforces all of this because when you're dieting, first of all, that's out of desperation to get rid of something on your body that you don't want. So when you're dieting, you're looking at your body, you're already self-critical. You're trying to get rid of the weight and then you're feeling. Dieting makes you focus on your body and what you don't like. So you're already in a negative state. Diets don't work. And we can get into that, the mechanics of why they don't. But then what you're not addressing is the way that you're eating. It's not about food. It's not about, um, I mean, you know, eating healthy is tremendously important to thrive and have a, you know, a fulfilling life and existence. But if you're getting to the root of why you really feel like you can't lose weight, you're looking at... A symptom and not the cause. So um, the cause is the way that you eat. And why are you using food to feel better? Or why is it why are you rewarding yourself with food? So dieting addresses none of that. But when you're not even addressing the real cause and just a symptom, and you're doing in a way that doesn't work, and that focuses you on what you don't like about yourself, your self esteem, you just stay stuck and even start getting Lower and lower and lower in a feeling of worthlessness. So, women everywhere, and this is my mission and why I'm doing this is that there are women everywhere who are very intelligent and who are compassionate and loving and have empathy and have gifts to share with the world. And they're not doing it because we're all stuck in our houses on a diet. It sounds overstated, but most people I know wait to live, wait to do all the things they want to do. And they say, okay, well, when I lose 15 pounds then, and we're just wasting all of this enormous, beautiful potential. Um, The world, I don't think this is overstated. The world would change overnight if every woman who is dieting would wake up and say, I'm not doing this anymore. If you start working towards your potential and setting and achieving goals, which is a big part of what I teach, you shift your focus off of what you look like and into what you're capable of, and you get joy and passion. And then all of a sudden, your habits will start to normalize. Um, you're not going to have to try not to binge on ice cream. You're just going to start naturally gravitating toward foods that nourish you. So um yeah, sorry if I deviated from your original no, question. But
0: no, it's no, going on all day. How, yeah. Tell me what made you stop. I mean, you oh, said that yes. it went. You said it went to thirty. What mm-hmm. made mm-hmm. you finally stop the madness? Because that's exactly what it is. It's madness. So, yeah. What compelled you to say I've had enough?
1: I can tell you the exact moment I was in my apartment. I lived in Atlanta by myself, and I. um I was actually sitting on my couch sobbing and just saying, I cannot do this to myself anymore. I was, you know, binging and purging. I was, I was literally obsessed with getting the perfect body and I was very successful. at good relationships with my friends and with a boyfriend. I loved my job. I have typically been this high achieving, like type A perfectionist personality, which I think goes with a lot of this, but I couldn't do it anymore. I was torturing myself mentally and physically. And I just said, it was almost like sitting there and saying to God, like, please help me. I just can't do this. So I decided in that moment that I would rather just stop and eat, it'd be normal and have just calm down and quit putting all this pressure on myself and have the possibility that I would gain weight. That would have been better than what I was putting myself through. So, um, that was the moment. And ironically, once I made that decision, not only did I not gain weight, I started losing weight without even trying. So.
0: That's really interesting. So, so what happened? So you made a, you made a mental shift Mm-hmm. A very significant mental shift, mm-hmm. but how did you start looking at at food differently? And- well, yeah, that's a great question.
1: I didn't even start looking at it differently. The my the big shift came because I released all this resistance toward food. All of a sudden I said, I'm not going to try not to eat something. I'm not going to try to, um, you know, get a certain number of calories and not go over. I'm not going to try not to binge eat. I'm just going to see what happens. And so what happened was, is that all of that resistance that I had built up around food when it was gone, I allow, I said, um, you go ahead and binge eat, just binge and see what happens. And ironically, I just didn't want to binge. I mean, because there was no resistance for me to neutralize anymore. So I would eat the same normal you know, foods that I would binge on. Like I would get a box of chocolate or some ice cream and I would sit down like in front of the TV and say, you can eat the whole thing if you want to. And I just, I just didn't want to. I was like, you know, this doesn't really make me feel very good. Huh? Well, I'll put that down and... I stopped saying I'm going to go out and run five miles every single morning before work. And if you don't, you're worthless and you're so lazy and you have no willpower. I just said, okay, if I want to go out and get some exercise, I'm going to walk if I don't feel like running. So all of that went away. And then I realized um, very significantly that I didn't know how to cook, (laughs) (laughs) which was interesting. It's connected because um, I was always... I I had no peace around food. You know, it was always something that it was, it was an enemy to me. So I didn't, I wasn't hands-on with food. I ordered, I not ordered, I mean, now, good Lord, DoorDash, that's a, that's a recipe for some, some binging right there, but I would just get prepackaged foods and I would put it in my freezer and I would, you know, I would eat two or three of them or Tried not to eat them. Then eat. So anyway, I started cooking. I started. It was very basic, you know, pasta with some frozen broccoli warmed up, and then some salad dressing. But I felt like I was taking control, even with that small step. So all of this release helped me um, just have a, all the fear with food went away, that, and that's how it all normalized. And then I started saying, "Well, gosh." You know, maybe I'll just go make chop up a bunch of fruit and, you know, make some sort of a fruit. I started to get excited like, wow, wouldn't that be neat if I tried that? Um, And then not to get too far away, but I decided that I needed to understand how foods were affecting my body. So I signed up for a nutrition course um, after school at a college in downtown Atlanta. And that's how I ended up becoming a dietitian. I just one step after another. So, Yeah. Once you release all of this resistance toward your body, resistance toward food, when all of that gets lifted, um, everything just starts to stabilize.
0: Yeah. So you basically removed the power that food had over you, changed Mm -hmm. perspective, and then you started to take control. And and you took it one step further. You took it to become a registered dietitian. And, And then you also decided that if you were in this same space that you decided that maybe there was other women in the same space too, Mm -hmm. how did you make that leap from I'm going to change my perspective to educating yourself as a dietitian and now saying, I want to educate and change the perspectives of other women. How did you, how did you make that change? Did it come about organically or is it something that you did on purpose? Well, no,
1: I definitely didn't do it on purpose at the beginning. Um, I took that one class. I loved it. I started taking more and I got to know the professors and they were like, why don't you just, you need to get a degree in nutrition, you know, since you love it so much. So while I was on, it was during um, my same journey of figuring out how food had such a hold over me. And, um, So, when I was becoming a dietitian, I started to look at what I was doing currently in my own life to help heal my relationship, which was ultimately changing my habits in the way that I thought. So, what I wanted to do, my goal when I became a dietitian was to teach women how to change their thoughts and their habits instead of trying to diet the weight off. But ultimately, over the last, you know, I guess it's been 10 years since I got my degree what I really started asking, it started getting um, where it was a bigger question to me, like, why are we doing this? This is insane. Like, it's not just about let's teach women how to change your habits instead of going on a diet in order to lose weight. But why are we trying to lose weight at all? I mean, it's it goes beyond, I want to feel lighter in my body and I want to feel healthier. This is about this extreme self-abuse and self-hatred and criticism that we throw at ourselves. And we we're really not even noticing that we're doing it because all our friends do it. Everyone we know does it and it looks normal and it's not. So this has now become, I had no plan of starting a business, um, teaching women about, you know, um, self-esteem and, and learning how to heal their body, heal their relationship with themselves. But now it's grown into that. And it's like, I feel like it's like a freight train that is, is going and it's not even about me anymore. It's bigger than me. So,
0: um, have you noticed that it is changing generational thought on food? Because as you were speaking, I was thinking what, what was modeled for me? as as a as a child as a teenager as a young adult. Mm-hmm. And what was modeled for me is that my mom was always on a diet. She was always on weight watchers mm-hmm. always. And uh, I thought that was normal. Yes. Uh,
1: oh yeah, my mom was the same way. Yeah. So
0: so have you started to begin to change that generational thought process on food and that food's your enemy. And if you give into it, then you're weak or you're you're unworthy or, and then all those horrible things that you tell yourself, Mm -hmm. how do you, how do you make that change and have it affect all of the women in that line of family rather than just the singular one?
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So there's two parts. Number one, I still see it that it makes me crazy when I hear people on TV talking about the keto diet or the Whole30, I'm, it, there's nothing wrong per se with these with the approach, but it's not about the food. So that makes me crazy as a culture. It's really not about the food. It's about so much more. But about the generational changes, um, yeah, my mom was the same. She dieted. Um, she drank tab all day and then wouldn't. Oh eat. my gosh. Tab. <laughs> we had, we had tab by the gallons in oh, our house
0: yeah. and no it tastes terrible. It was disgusting.
1: No. no one drank water. I didn't, no. I don't remember having water ever. I don't know how we didn't shrivel up and die, but, um, yeah. And all the women around in my mom's age group, they were drinking tab. They were doing slim fast, smoking cigarettes. Um, And yeah, I, in fact, I used to go to school in high school and I remember our moms would pack our lunch and we would all just throw it in the trash and get our dexatrim out. And we were basically loaded up on methamphetamines the entire day, all day long at school. But um, yeah, my mom did it. I did it. Fortunately, my daughters weren't, they weren't born yet. My daughters weren't born yet, so they didn't see it, but Um, because I'm so like, this is my whole life and my career and what I'm doing with this. I feel like there couldn't be a more, um, supportive atmosphere for my children to be in, to see that I say, they hear me on these podcasts. It's not about the food. You're beautiful. What you look like is not what you're worth inside. Um, but even then my daughters ask me, mommy, am I fat? I just was cleaning up my 13 year old's room the other day and she has a little journal. Um, we talk a lot about manifesting and about, you know, affirmations and writing down your goals. So she has a little journal that I gave her and, um, I just flipped it open to see what she had written. And a lot of it was sweet. Like, I want to live in a big house with my own room and I want to pull. This kind of stuff, and then on one page, all down the page, it said, "I am skinny, I am skinny, I am skinny. I weigh ninety eight pounds." And I was like, "Oh my god, it's it's not for me." You know what I mean? They're getting it. I mean, actually, it's worse for them in some ways. Social media is just like a minefield
0: if you want to feel like crap about yourself, and we all know that, but they don't. You know? Yeah. It's social media isn't isn't real. I hate it. And, And it's and it's a tool. It's a Mm -hmm. tool when used appropriately, it's significant, but it's not Mm -hmm. always done that way. And so they're getting, they're getting this constant 24 seven feedback of you should look this way. You should look that way. Um, You, you are using the phrase that it's not about the food. It's not about the Mm -hmm. food. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about what you mean by it's not about the food. It's about the way
1: you eat your food. I mean, think about it. Food is, food is just food. It's just stuff. I mean, we have to eat, but I think everybody knows it's not like it's some big revelation that if you eat fruits and vegetables, if you shop in the produce section, and if you hydrate and you move your body, you're going to be healthy. But there's all of this like craziness about searching for the perfect menu. And there isn't one. I mean, there is room in your diet, I use that term, meaning what you eat every day. There's room for candy. There's room for a donut. There's room for pizza. It's just food, and we're all obsessed with the food rather than trying to understand. If you're having a problem trying to lose weight, barring some medical issue, it's the way that you're eating. You're you're eating too much, or you're eating too much of the wrong foods, or both. Um, so you have to peel it back, peel back the onion to, why do I do this? And the reason that gets rid of the shame because the reason we feel shame is that we feel like we have no control. We're, you know, we have no willpower. I didn't stick to anything. I'm a failure, which dieting just keeps fueling that. Um, but it's just food. The, what you're looking at, what you're trying to use food for is to get rid of the symptom of not using food appropriately, which is the weight. Weight is a symptom and you just have to get to the true source. And the beautiful part is that once you really get to the source and I mean, go way, way, way back, which requires a lot of, um, self-awareness and work. Um, I was able to go back finally and realize, I remember when I went all the way back to the seventh grade, how I felt, I felt Alone. I felt, um, I felt alone and isolated and, um, disconnected from my family. And I remember the specific episodes and what I ate, going into my, the TV room, locking the door, eating and eating and eating and feeling this like little cocoon of, I just felt better. It's because I didn't feel good. I didn't feel whole. I felt sad. I felt lonely. And once I could really tie all of that together, I realized like, wow, I'm not disgusting because I'm carrying excess weight. There's a reason why it's there because I'm using food to make myself feel better. So it's not about the food. That's that's what I, I stand by that.
0: (laughs) Well, full transparency as you're yeah. talking about it's not about the food uh for me i don't i don't necessarily binge and purge and all, all of that what i do when i feel like my life is out of control mm-hmm. the one thing i know i can control is what i eat hmm, and i simply yeah. stop eating I, okay. I i have this i have a physical response whereas i don't have an appetite. Hmm. And I stop eating. So when I feel everything is spinning out of control, Mm -hmm. I know the one thing I can control is what I'm putting in my mouth or not putting in my mouth. Mm -hmm. And my appetite automatically goes away, automatically goes away. The more stressed I am, the least, the, the lesser hungry I feel.
1: Well, I guess I mean I hate to say this, but people would say, "Wow, Audra, you're <laughs> you, won the- you got the lottery ticket of of you know food and eating and, and- but that's not great." No, because- I know what you mean. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, and to me though, there's almost like a really a real danger, not for you probably because you're investigating all these things, but like when daughters and you know young adults are using food, like there's a fine line between, um, being in control of impulses around eating and feeling like I have control over food. The controlling part is what, um, is what makes me, gives me pause because food is just food. What you're really having control over is whether you eat it or not. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, but I don't know what I would say if, if like when you're stressed out and you tend not to eat, unless you're associating with, yay, I'm so excited. You know, I'm not, I'm not eating cause I'm stressed out. And then therefore the more stressed I am, the less I eat. This is a horrible story. Well, God, maybe I shouldn't even tell this, but like, no, I shouldn't tell this story. <laughs> <laughs> I had there was a funeral of a family member that I was attending and I was so sad. It was a, obviously someone had died. It was a terrible event and everyone around me was sad. And I was so sad that I was not thinking about when's my next meal. When am I going to, you know, what am I going to eat? What am I going to try not to eat? And I lost weight um, without meaning to, because I was sad and preoccupied. And I was thinking, you know, at the forefront of my mind, even above my sadness, hell yeah, now I'm I'm losing, at least I'm losing weight. This is, it's a terrible event, but thank God now I'm, at least I'm losing weight. So it just shows you like what a preoccupation that I had and a lot of people do have, you know?
0: I, I don't think that's all that unusual, honestly. I really don't. <laughs> I know that you're like, that's Probably a terrible not. story, but I don't know that. That that's all that unique. If you want to know yeah, the truth, yeah, I, I think I, you're
1: right. Yeah, I,
0: I think that's probably more common than you think. That's
1: at the forefront of your mind, you know. Like, yeah, okay, I mean, well, at least I look good now. Yeah,
0: it's all it's always sitting there. Mm-hmm. So you're trying you're trying to fix this. So how do yeah. you approach your clients to help fix this? to help heal their relationship with
1: food and help them start changing. You know, it's hard. I will say, because I don't do private counseling anymore. I stopped because every, nearly every woman that I sat down with and I mostly counsel women. I I don't think I've had more than one or two men, but every single person that I sat with and counseled and we had our sessions was so on board with what I'm saying. And um, you know, all of these issues that we're talking about and how it's about changing your habits and your thoughts and not about dieting and and exactly what you're eating, the meal plan and this obsession with that. Um, and so my prescription is always, let's take a three-month plan approach and work on list all the habits that you feel are holding you back or that you want to work on the thoughts that are associated with those habits and we'll methodically one by one go through those and as you do that you start to get momentum and you you feel good about yourself and you get all these small wins that build your confidence and they're on board with it but at the same time they were all saying Okay. So now tell me what I should eat is, um, you know, should I eat more Are carbs bad? Should I eat more? Um, I don't know, you know, all of these preoccupations we have with like how much selenium is in a Brazil nut. It's like, who cares? That's not the point. You know, I mean, like how much fiber should I get? Um, so it was just hard. And so the reason why I decided to stop doing private counseling is because I feel like the message that I'm bringing to women is something that has to be absorbed over time um, through maybe them hearing a podcast like what you're doing, something beautiful you're putting out in the world. And then after a while, it starts to really sink in. So um, yeah, what I, I think I just completely went away from your original
0: question, but um yeah no i I think that that's i i think that's the right answer is that you are starting from the bottom up you're yeah. starting from what the root problem is what the root cause is and i'm and I venture to guess that a lot of it comes from this nonverbal feedback mm-hmm. from childhood i, I totally venture i i really believe that because like i said it's modeled very young. Mm-hmm. And you're watching our moms do certain things, and mm-hmm. they're not necessarily healthy. Mm-hmm. And and you know, we, you are definitely putting in effort to change that. And and I want to I want to ask you about in, in this in the spirit of as we discussed uh, self care over the past month, how does food and your relationship with food connect with self care? How, how how are those two the same or are they?
1: Yeah, well, I think, again, it's not necessarily about the food, but I think what um, the way food and self-care are connected is that, <clears throat> number one, we're using in a lot of cases, we're using food to self-medicate and that's the opposite of self-care. Um, but the link between food and self-care, I think, is completely um blocked by dieting because dieting, if you want to do the opposite of loving yourself and caring for yourself, just keep dieting because the worst part about dieting, they don't work. They create resistance. They push you to do, they push you to eat. You, they're too, you make too many changes all at the same time. You make them in, you know, two weeks or less and you're expecting all these big results. You're focused on something negative. You're focused on your body, what you don't like about it. Um, So in terms of self-care, the first thing you need to do to heal your relationship with food is to start, well, like I said, investigate why you're even using food in the first place. But just eliminate all of that and sit. We're so not peaceful, women in general. We live such crazy, hectic lives. We're never peaceful throughout the day, if you really think about it. No one's taking time to to sit down. I mean, anytime I would say to one of my clients, okay, I want you to get a journal and we're going to start writing. I mean, I could see their eyes glaze over like, please don't ask me to journal or meditate. Um, but it really is about just taking time. You know, you don't have to write an essay, but just go sit outside and get fresh air and let your thoughts calm down. Um, we're really wrapped up in our roles and not, who we are at our core. I don't think a lot of us even know who we are. We've lost touch with it so much. Um, So really it's about, even if it's just one hour a week that you make an appointment with yourself, get your husband to take the kids, get someone to clean your house if you can, and just stop and take a journal if you want to, light a candle if you want to. There's no pressure. Um, But yeah, self-care, our whole culture is um, set up so that women don't care for themselves, you know? And in fact, my ex husband, I would work all day. I had a full time job helping pay the bills. I had two small children that I was caring for. Um, I was responsible for cleaning the house. I was responsible for, you know, doing all the errands and organizing the play dates. And I think we all know now, we're, it's a conversation now about how women are, we do everything and it's too much. And my husband, um, not that he was a bad person, but he would come home after work. His work was done. He shut his computer off and he went and sat and put his feet up and watched, you know, sports with a glass of wine. And I didn't question this in the slightest, but our culture is not set up for women to actually engage in self care or to take care of ourselves in any way. Yeah, and if it is, we are pressured to be perfect and to have no cellulite and no wrinkles. So we're we're thinking of self care as I'm going on the treadmill for you know
0: an hour. You know, this is not self care. That's stress. <laughs> it it is stress, and and it was said to me recently, and I and it's been said to me over and over uh, by other women, but every time I. I hear it I think oh my gosh you're so right is that especially for working moms mm-hmm. that once their day job is done their night job starts they yes. it's not like they get to go home like your ex-husband and put his feet up enjoy a glass of wine and and watch a, a game or whatever that that's not what happens you no. are Chasing children as they get older, you're you're the taxi service. It, it never ever stops, and you're right. We don't think twice about it, mm-hmm. not at all. It never even occurs to us that we should be asking for help. So you're right. There's <laughs> no wonder we're yeah. trying to soothe ourselves with something, mm-hmm. be it chocolate, ice cream, whatever whatever your poison is. It's yeah. you're trying to soothe yourself because you are constantly on this treadmill of life and running, running, running this race where you don't know where the finish line is. Mm-hmm. And because there isn't one. Because yeah. it, it goes on forever. Mm-hmm. And having having issues with food is just a symptom. It's of a that.
1: manifestation of all of that. Yeah.
0: yeah. And
1: then and the best part is we're we're eating to make ourselves feel better. And then we are seeing the evidence of that and being shamed for it you know? So there's even more pressure. You don't look the way you should. I mean, who could look like they indulge in self-care or make that a priority when when our whole culture is set up so that we don't do that? And then I feel like we're shamed for not looking perfect. We are celebrated for being selfless, we're celebrated for not speaking up for ourselves and saying, "I need this. I can look back on my marriage now and see um where I should have said, "This is not okay with me. you know I didn't have the voice to do that though I didn't have the confidence because I was you know, in this rat race of I've got to do everything. I've got to be a perfect mom. I've got to be an outstanding employee. I've got to look perfect and kill myself working out and not eating, you know, the whole thing. It's just a big mess. So it does though, Audra, I think you're right. It starts with one. It starts in your own life. Just you saying, I'm taking one hour a week. I mean, you can find that. I an hour a day, ideally. But if you don't say, "This is what I need and this is what I want," um, no one else is going to do it. And that's the journey. That's what starts your journey of healing everything around you and healing everything in your life is when you say, "I need this and this is for me." And even if no one else gets it, I don't care. You know. Well,
0: make it make it easy for us because mm-hmm. I know you're saying. Take an hour for yourself somewhere along the way. Some, someone listening to this is going, that's impossible. I don't even know where to find an hour. <laughs> Make it really, really easy and give us one thing, one thing that, that everyone can do today. Okay. To start taking steps to stop the madness mm-hmm. and take control of our life.
1: Stop everything that you're doing. Put down the vacuum cleaner. Um, it's hard because everyone's life is so different. Like if you have a, a baby, you can't just put the baby down and walk outside. But no. all, I mean, <laughs> okay. well,
0: you could try. <laughs> you might um, want
1: to, but um, yeah. okay.
0: Let's let's face it. Some of us have done that. Some of us have said, <laughs> "I can't handle the crying," <laughs> oh, and I'm gonna um, I'm gonna put you in the crib for a second and go outside. Come on, come oh on, my everybody. God. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. Yes, I did that.
1: (laughs) My first child, my uh, former father-in-law is a pediatrician, actually. And so I was a wreck and my daughter was not sleeping and I thought I was going to kill myself. And I said, can I just give her like some of this NyQuil and just put a little bit of it in her I mean, I was serious. And he was like, no, you cannot do that. (laughs) I was like, please. No, but so let's see. One thing that anyone can do. So just stopping for five minutes and doing nothing but breathe. I mean, that anybody can find five minutes to do that and then just see what happens.
0: Yeah. It might be life-changing. life, life changing. Uh, Yes, I think I mean, so. The first five minutes might lead to the next five minutes, and maybe you find an hour. Maybe maybe you find that that break that you get
1: mm-hmm. may
0: increase your desire to take a little bit more of a break.
1: Yeah, or maybe that five minutes you can realize, like, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to live like this. I'm going to make some changes, even just having some sort of awareness. But, yeah, you're right. It could start the process for a real practice.
0: Yeah. Well, Camille, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us just a small glimpse into healing ourselves from the inside out, our, our destructive relationship with food and how it relates to how we see ourselves, how we talk to ourselves. I'm sure that you and I could talk about this for hours. Yes. So I, I ask if <laughs> if we... Um, let's find some more time to have you come back, and we'll talk I would about, love it. talk some more about this.
1: I would love it and thank you so much for having me on. I think what you're doing is so beautiful, and I love the name of your podcast. You shared that with me, the reason why the other day, and i I'm sure your
0: listeners know all about it, but I think that's just brilliant. so thank you. well, it is my pleasure. This is something that I'm so passionate about because we didn't have a voice. I didn't have honestly, this was a platform built because I was looking for one and couldn't find it. So I built it. That's awesome.
1: Yes. Why not?
0: Why not? Why not? (laughs) Camille, if the audience wants to reach out to you and get more information uh, on your, on your practice, on your business, how would they reach you?
1: Sure, my website is camillemartinrd.com, so Camille Martin and RD for registered dietitian.com and you can find all of my social media handles on my website. Um, but yeah, and you're welcome to email me. I totally welcome emails and I'm I'm happy to help answer questions or do whatever I can to help everyone on their journey too.
0: And I encourage everybody to go to her website and check out the article that she just published on Thrive Global on how turning 50 changed her life. So I encourage you all to go (laughs) read that honestly, I read that article and I was like, absolutely. I want you on my show. So I hope everybody goes and reads it. Thank you. That, that article, by the way, it's not on my regular blog, but if you go to the media
1: page, it's at the top of the media page. Thank you for shouting that out.
0: Yes. It's a great, great article. So I encourage everybody to go and read it again. Camille, thank you so much for joining us today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you sharing your time and your wisdom with us
1: thank you I I loved every second
0: thank you all for listening and we'll see you again next time and that's a wrap thank you so much for being here this week I want to say sincerely thank you to all of you for your support and your continued encouragement as we continue on this journey that I never expected the reality is is that I can't do this without you And I wouldn't want to. I I do this because I want to make us all better. I want to create a community where we feel heard, where we feel supported, and we are celebrated. And we are doing that every single day, and it's just getting better. And I want to hear from all of you. So please connect with me. And you can connect with me on any one of our social pages. And you can reach me at Audra, which is A-U-D-R-A, at womeninthearena.net. Please send me whatever you need. If you need help, if you need resources, if you want to make a referral, I want to know. So please connect with me because I can't wait to talk to you. Thank you again for being here and your support. And I can't wait to do it again next week. So we'll see you again next time. This is just the beginning. That's our show. I am so grateful for each and every one of you and your unwavering support and your continued belief in this movement that has become much bigger than me, much bigger than just a podcast. It has become this forward momentum that we are all doing together. If you are ready, or you know somebody that is, that is ready to tell your story and share your value with the world, please connect with me. You can reach me at audra at womeninthearena.net. I am so honored and thankful that you will share your story with me, and I'll make sure that it is well taken care of. I will never stop thanking each and every one of you, and I cannot wait to talk to you again next week. As we share another woman's story and we celebrate her doing extraordinary things in plain sight. We'll see you next time.